Och här kommer ett riff då antar jag. Hello and welcome to Gain It for Riffs, the only podcast about riffs. Today I'm here in the studio uh, by myself, but uh, I'm calling Stockholm to uh, hear how is Jonathan doing today? Amsterdam calling. Yeah, I'm doing fine today. Uh, I had to reset my uh, hours a little bit because I haven't had uh, routines lately. So there was a short, short night of sleep, but I think the prize will be due tomorrow because I'm feeling pretty good. So nice. Ready? Ready and willing. <laughs> <laughs> good to hear. Uh, I've been uh, practicing a lot this uh, past few days. It almost took over my entire life just playing guitar. And I noticed today, uh, actually, my legato spider uh, practice uh, has uh, taken effect because I'm playing faster and more precise than before. I'm very happy about this. But uh, uh, we'll see how that translates in, into today's episode because I think I might not play that fast. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, feeling ready to kick off today's riff, okay. actually. Go ahead. Of today, so one of the two riffs of today, and um, yeah, I've got a little bit of a different sound today. Uh, it's a you hear it's a little bit more classic. It's not so metal, mm. and it's because this riff is not metal at all. I um, felt that I had done um, by now pretty much only metal-sounding riffs, even though uh, the Rainbow Riff is old. It's still super metal, so I, I wanted to go change it up, switch it up a little bit. So let's see if you recognize this riff. I'm intrigued. Here we go. Exactly. By Leonard Skinner. Oh, yeah. That's right. Leonard Skinner from the album pronounced Leonard Skinner. The first and one. Released in 73. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, what to say? It's a really fun song. And it's a really uh, uh, the, <laughs> the concept of the song. Uh, maybe you should tell about it. It's the, the lyrics. When we come to that, I mean, it's, it's really funny. Uh, but uh, the guitar riff, yeah, it's a classic. How do you feel uh, playing it? Yeah, I feel like very... It's uh, I, I, I love playing it. Now I was a little bit nervous because I learned it yesterday, so I, mm. I had to concentrate too much. But when I was noodling it yesterday, I felt a really nice uh, sunshine vibe for me. It's like sun, hot temperature, mm. and uh, kind of relaxing. I think these types of riffs should be played with... Uh, you should almost concentrate on not concentrating. Um, in a way which I like it has this kind of swagger to it and very like the lyrics very bar like you know it has this kind of uh, uh, saloon saloon's wing to it right oh, yeah. uh, in a sure. way and I'm wondering I think you're more knowledgeable than me with the, all these guitarists is this uh, Gary Rossington or uh, Alan Collins or <laughs> who, who's the guy here like who's the yeah, main guy in this um... song because I heard Rossington and now I'm looking at Wikipedia and it says Collins 
Uh, yeah, no, it, it could be. I think uh, Gary Rossington was more of the uh, the solo guitarist. He was uh, doing the long, long ass solos. But I could be wrong. Uh, there is a third uh, guitar player as well, uh, whose name now escapes me. But I, I remember his first band was called uh, Strawberry Alarm Clock <laughs> before he joined uh, Leonard Skinner. Uh, yeah, it will uh, come to Ed me. King, but, uh, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and then they have a, a piano player who's very funny. He looks like Kenny Powers from uh, Eastbound uh, and Down. <laughs> uh, great series. <laughs> he must be the inspiration or something. He really mm. looks like Kenny Powers, the character with same mullet, same uh, body fat percentage, and the <laughs> same kind of uh, beard as well, if I recall correctly. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I don't remember his name either now. But uh, obviously, we have. Um, Ronnie Van Zant on um, lyrics and vocals. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's uh, the powerhouse singer. Really, like, goes for it live and uh, in the studio. I mean, I was a huge fan of Leonard Skinner back in the day. I mean, I was such a huge fan that they, they inspired me to start a band, <laughs> which yeah. I forced you to join. Uh, yeah, of course. So we played some sort of rock there, right? mixed with, yeah all kinds of uh uh styles but uh yeah for sure this was an inspiration yeah funny thing is that we we played southern rock tune to see which was yeah at that time it was not really a weird idea because we listened to spiritual beggars uh, who have been mentioned before they tuned down and played classic rock and then we had a great local band here in stockholm called backdraft, uh, backdraft. Oh yeah, uh, who also tuned down to see, but they had that linear approach, very low distortion, very midi guitars, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, not midi actually, midi, <laughs> mid rangey, mid rangey guitars, and uh, and they they had they were one of the better local acts live. I think they had a really good yeah. live show going, and uh, the singer was uh, also my tutor in the beginning for um, production. He oh, yeah. uh, helped me to get going with. Uh, you know, getting a, my first mixing board and uh, my, uh, borrowing microphones to me and lending microphones to me and, and so on. So mm -hmm. uh, that band was also uh, a big one for us, right? Yeah. And, no, uh, that's I, why we started the, the Reverend John Loth. <laughs> More about us later, for sure. But uh, uh, Backdraft also has a, a bass player, Mats, and he used to... Uh, be the engineer of a radio show that I listen to every Sunday, Rock Harder, when I was like, yeah, 15 or something like this. And yeah. I called in once and asked for Freebird by Lyndon Skinner. And I heard in the background, woo! Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, nice. really I excited. I that little bit and that story can be told over and over. It's, it just makes me feel good. Yeah, and, and also he wasn't the host, right? He was the engineer in the background. Yeah, you never heard him. He, he was just mentioned and maybe he was... Uh, you know, like uh, shouting a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but maybe back to uh, uh, back to Skinner. Three steps. Give me three steps. Yeah, I mean, um, I I really dig how it starts with this. It's a a D major, super bright, and then uh, they put this little uh, note underneath, which is uh, F sharp. So that would be uh, kind of like a traditional, you know. Yeah. But nice, more nicely. Um, uh, well, nice, nicer phrasing of it, I would say. Uh, mm. In the verses, he's actually down on. Mm. 
something like that, which is the same chords, uh, D major and A major, but more of that uh, boogie woogie, or in Swedish we would call it sausage boogie woogie. Yeah, <laughs> hot dog, hot dog boogie woogie, actually not sausage. <laughs> and then uh, I mean the fills for me, they really do it. Like, uh, how cool is that? Yeah, That's just really the epitome cool. of southern rock, isn't it? For sure. And there's another fill that's awesome with uh, when they go down, so they're from starting at D. And then that one is really cool too. It's just almost um, dance like, isn't it? And mm -hmm. the song is about dancing in a bar too, so it's uh yeah it's very fitting I think. yeah for sure the the lyrics are really good uh i mean the it's the singer it's uh ronnie van Sands. I, I guess it's uh, a biographical memory uh he's in a bar uh with a girl drinking beer and someone barges in in the doors and he's looking for his girlfriend and uh he screams at ronnie and it's very like uh, you know he he uh he don't don't mind to um be uh self uh deprecating so the guy uh, calls out hey fat fellow with your hair color uh, colored yellow what you trying to do and uh, i mean he was fat yeah. he had yellow hair <laughs> it's just yeah it's, it's very nice and uh, i love a good storytelling song i think mm. last episode we discussed uh, limelight which is a kind of existential existential number very very kind of uh, big topic or heavy topic in a sense and this yeah. is so light compared to that this is really just you know uh, uh, recap of an evening uh, supposedly ronnie with a fake id at the, at the bar yeah yeah and, uh, there, there is uh he, uh he's dancing with uh linda lou yeah, yeah. And he, well, what <laughs> does so it call it cutting carpet i think it's called <laughs> cutting carpet with Oops. linda lou which means dancing uh, and uh, but there are guns involved, of course. It's the it's the deep south. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, where where are they from? They're from Florida, right? Yeah, they're uh, Florida, yeah. they're not from Alabama, as you might think. Uh, that's a story all on its own. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. a great song. It's a, I remember. I see if I uh, just like. Something like that, uh, but it reminds me of uh, the. Um, I mean, it's just, it's the, the record after the um, uh, Sweet Home Alabama. It has this um, uh, break riff uh, that I think is really great. So let's see if I can. It's uh, it, it, the, 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 what I'm thinking about is that uh, it has to be played with a, a certain um, uh, level of sloppiness, so you really like get that groove on because it's not the, like the most precise music and it shouldn't be played like that i think you said that the other day as well um and yeah, i mentioned uh, it even in the show uh, kind of concentrating on not concentrating yeah yeah so let's yeah. see if i can uh, deconcentrate and try this riff on <laughs> Something like that. It's uh, yeah. the break riff from uh, Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, you hardly notice it goes by so fast, but it's just like, yeah. Uh, it's Best riff, uh, it's best got riff a nice in that feel. song, I think. Uh, mm. I like that riff. It has mm. such a... It really rolls out, right? It's hard not to move, right? When you listen yeah. to that, at least you got to bob your head or something. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, all their songs like i said about how i feel when i play it they all like project this heat it feels like yeah it's like it's hot you're in a on a wooden porch or something mm-hmm. and kind of humid and uh, maybe your strat is not perfectly in tune uh, because of this but uh, you just make up for it with uh, playing with style mm. they're great players they're really good the solos are amazing always and they're yeah. not really that melodic they're just uh, expressive i would say in mm. the soloing no, but they have, uh, I think uh, they have all these things that make up for a good uh, rock song. They're playing kind of, kind of all the standard uh, chord progressions in Mixolydian, maybe. Uh, which is like, you recognize it, it's, uh, well, it's instantly recognizable. And when it comes to the solos, there are, there's some melodies, but then you have more of these, uh, you know, licks that became uh, classic rock staples you know they kind of just blast them out uh for a very long time like in the in the solo for freebird and it's just like it works so well because uh, it's it's done on top of uh, uh this classic uh, uh dcg uh chord progression that exactly uh, so you can basically be stuck on just like a single box with your solo and it will sound amazing you know just something like that you can yeah. stay on that uh, on that bend and as the chord changes underneath there will be a, a movement in it so it's never stagnant it always moves and i think that goes for for all their music it moves very nicely forward and uh, when i was picking riffs there were a few to choose from and uh, some of my favorites are like uh, in minor in minor key they do that mm. too but i felt like since since i wanted to change from from uh, all the metal i've been doing and all the, all the minor it's all been very minor oriented so far in this show for me so i felt like okay i'm gonna pick this one which is pure major it's p- pure d major really yeah with the uh, with the uh, in standard chords but they have passing notes and that's the ones i love you know that, that's just really cool that utilizes both the thirds both the major and the minor third uh, yeah you which got creates kind of the effect of a neutral third mm. it's neither neither minor or major in in that lick if it would just be it's minor and if it would just be it's just major but here we go it gives the roll right it kind of rolls mm. forward in a way yeah no, for sure uh, I was thinking of one of the the heavier riffs. Let's see, it's like this uh, 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 on the hunt. You know that one, maybe? Or yeah, that I was try? one I wanted to pick, uh, but uh, I don't know how to play it now. Hopefully, you do. Uh, maybe. Let's maybe. Yeah, some, something like that, right? Uh, on the Hunt is another great song. It's off of the. Is it from the second album or third album? It's from the third album. Uh, uh, nothing fancy. And by that time, they had a new drummer, uh, the more important and well-known drummer, uh, who went by the amazing name Artemis Pyle. <laughs> That's the, a great name. That's straight out of Simpsons. Yeah, and Artemis Pyle was uh, extremely tall, extremely long-haired, and with a big beard. And he would, you know, walk uh, bare-chested with a vest. Uh, that's how he looked. Yeah, that's awesome. And now that we're talking about their slightly darker riffs, uh, do you remember the one from Needle and the Spoon? Yeah. 
For sure, that one I know. Uh, let's see, I have to get... Uh... Of course, are there something like... Uh... Yeah, it's fucked first, but then I think they go into power chords as the song progresses. Oh, later, they, yeah. They don't often do, actually. And it's not too often they just play power chords. It's mm. usually a little bit bigger for four-string type chords. Mm. Yeah. Like in, in my example of today, give me three steps, uh, quite big chords, like... Also, quite beautiful, I think. Nice chords, especially on a strat. Very major. There's not much minor in it. And I also like the chromatic little. I think that one is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's 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 very it's singer friendly also this this kind of music. You can wonder what came first, the 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 singing melody or the guitar. I mean, could be any, but uh, they really fit together for sure. Yeah, it's a cool singer. He's not too uh, his range is not big and he's not super technical, but he's very rhythmical and very like. He, even though the lyrics are great storytelling wise uh, they also need a good storyteller and he does that too like it's yeah. really easy to to follow him i think in any song it's easy to remember the lyrics and i think that may have been part in them be becoming a, a huge act yeah and when they were uh, at their biggest they were uh, they of course they had a tragedy uh, tragi tragic ending to the first uh, mark of the band they were in a pl plane crash which killed Ronnie Van Sant and uh, two of the backup singers, I want to say. Uh, one was the sister of Gary Rossington, I think. And at the crash site, when uh, when Artemis Pyle came to, he ran for help. And he was, uh, of course, this uh, hulking dude with hu uh, huge long hair, but now he also had blood in his face. And he saw a farm and he ran up to the farm and he knocked on the door and screamed. And uh, the farmer came out with a shotgun and shot him immediately in the oh, chest. But, shit. but he survived. Uh, but it was just that he, it, the farmer thought he was an alien or something. So he, he <laughs> shot him. <laughs> Area 51. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty um, insane. I mean, just uh, put insult to injury after such a. Um, <laughs> heavy uh, traumatic uh, traumatic uh, traumatic uh, right. plane crash and they were just about to re release uh, their album street survivors and on the front on the front cover uh the band was standing engulfed in flames but that was changed to them standing on the street uh, but the same photo of the band so uh, you can't but they did release uh the very first pressing so that is kind of a, a collector's item of course after that, I think uh, Leonard Skinner kind of went <laughs> downhill, or definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna address that as a <laughs> final thing for this uh, for this riff or topic. That uh, I know that some people have been um, trying to follow up uh, Skinner as of lately or later, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, apparently they turned the gain way up, and uh, no one really understands why they play with this kind of fifty-one fifty, you know, metal distortion. Yeah. 
and uh, it's just it makes it destroys the whole thing yeah uh, in in my opinion uh, i don't know what happened to those bands i think mm. uh, did all my brothers did they stay more in style or what happened yeah to that the, gang? the pretty much uh kept kept it together but uh yeah what happened with to uh, Linda Skinner was that it came it, some guys came in uh, first i think it was uh uh Johnny Vincent uh Ronnie's brother who took over the singing duties uh nowadays i'm a bit unsure but i know that their songs go way toward uh, more towards american patriotism uh you know like it's all they they took the they they became more like the fans of Leonard Skinner. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the original Leonard Skinner wasn't really about that stuff. Uh, but no, they uh, were they were they were obviously like uh, proud of their of their home and everything. Mm. But uh, the the whole thing about them being like a a racist act or something like that is is completely yeah. uh, wrong. They were much more um, level-headed, I would say. And uh, the thing with Neil Young, they were f- fans of each other, friends of each other, wearing each other's T-shirts. So that was more of a you know friendly spoof. Yeah, there was a beef. Uh, Southern uh, man don't want him, him around anymore in Sweet Home Alabama. And uh, Neil Young actually wrote a song for them to record called uh, Powder Finger oh, okay. after that. But uh, that was uh, right around the time of the plane crash. So in the exactly. end, that song was recorded by him instead with um, Crazy Horse. Yeah. Now, Neil Young uh, had written a song before uh, Sweet Home Alabama called uh, Southern Man, where he pokes fun or kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, criticizes uh, the Southern states, uh, probably for something that's not, uh, it's still interesting, I guess, but, and then they make fun of him in uh, Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, those (laughs) lines... Uh, friendly they, pokes. I was yeah, friendly pokes. And he was actually the pallbearer at uh, Ronnie Van Sant's uh, funeral. So yeah, they were they were friends there for sure. There you go. There you go. Definitely friends. So mm. that whole thing should probably be uh, in. I mean, it's part of rock knowledge. I think you should you should know this. <laughs> yeah, they were actually friends. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of uh, finished with this riff. Last thing I wanted to address was that uh, this, the producer of this record, Al Cooper, was is like my dad's favorite musician ever. Mm. It's his idol. So I was happy to figure figure out that uh, he produced uh, Liner Skinner. My dad doesn't listen to Liner Skinner, uh, maybe because he's from the far north <laughs> or something. <like> that. <laughs> he, he doesn't resonate with him, but he, he's a big fan of Al Cooper and Neil Young actually as well. Al uh, Cooper. Uh, Al Cooper has. Um, has produced um he, he's the organ player in Freebird, oh, yeah. and he's also the organ player in um in like a rolling stone with, exactly uh, where he Bob famously Dylan's. played uh a bit after the rest of the band but dylan said keep it and it's like the yeah. most stay this it has the most staying power in the whole song this uh organ that comes in it's beautiful yeah he invented the uh, rock organ many say Oh, yeah. Because this was fairly early, right? I'm no Bob Dylan master, so I don't yeah, know when this was released. It's, but it's early, for sure. Yeah, sixties. So it's before before all those uh, later to come uh, rock organists. Mm. If we have to get some good uh, Hammond VST, so we can do some uh, cool riffs on the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, maybe at least pre-record it. I don't know if I could play it live. And uh, I thought for this episode, it could be nice if we ended it with uh, Allman Brothers. Um, Jessica, which is also has to be pre-recorded because it's harmonized. But if we have if we have the energy to record it, then that could be a nice, a nice uh, outro for this episode. <laughs> sure, <laughs> definitely. Okay, thank you very much for bringing uh, "Give Me Three Steps" to the podcast. Yeah.
give it another run and then we head on to your riff. Yeah, please do. Sweet. All right. I'm curious. Um, from from this riff to another, what are you gonna play for us? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I'm sitting here headbanging in my in my uh, office chair. It's, uh, nice. it's a very heavy riff too, and great uh, sludgy tempo. Actually, it's uh, the bit by Melvins. Oh yes, oh yes. So uh, Melvins, uh, one of our favorite bands, I would say. I mean, uh, top hundred for sure. <laughs> <laughs> top hundred, I guess. Yeah, it's, that, it's really hard to make such lists. Really. Yeah. It's, it's in drop D, this one, right? Yes, and that's uh, partly why I wanted to, uh, why I chose it. Around there, but slower. Mm, exactly. So, drop D, uh, it's when you uh, take your low E string and you tune it down uh, one whole step, two yeah. uh, half steps or two semitones. Uh, so I want to ask you. I want to ask you about that, Ole. Hmm? Uh, when did you try that the first time? Do you remember? I think maybe it was uh, for the Melvins. It's a good question because there were there were some songs by uh, Led Zeppelin also that had dropped the. Uh, wasn't that common uh, in the seventies, but when uh, the Melvins started started doing it, uh, almost at the same time as a bit a bit before Soundgarden and bands like that. Um, just to get uh, a bit heavier. I mean, there there's a, a lot of aspects to dropping D, uh, which I will get into. But uh, yeah, uh, the first one, I think it must have been Melvin's or something. I was very interested in how they. Uh, I mean, that's the first aspect was that how they played, uh, how they did like this hammer-ons uh, between power chords so fast i mean it doesn't sound like you're sliding uh it sounds it's something like yeah Yeah, very fun right you can really get into this uh heavy shugs with the wait let me tune it up a little bit Very heavy 
and easy to play because you you don't need to fret different frets. It's going to be on the same fret, the power chords. Yeah. And uh, I think my first encounter was is actually in drop C sharp, but it's almost the same. And it's uh, let's see if you recognize this riff. Yeah. And uh, upwards chromatic movement like that can only be damn bones by Alice in Chains. Correct. It's in, it's, uh, we're not going to get stuck on that one, but it's a very cool riff. It's uh, the first riff I played in um, seven, uh, seven, eight timing yeah. as well. So, and I, just to get back on topic of, of drop D, it's just uh, you get such easy access to these heavy ass chords. And mm. uh, uh, I think um, a band like Melvin's and a song like uh, The Bit really hinges on, on this um, mm. kind of uh, back leaning heaviness. Yeah. So if you don't know the song, it starts off with uh, the drummer Dale Crover playing a, uh, a sitar uh, for the first time in the studio, and he uh, noodles this uh, this piece that uh, then the guitarist Buzz Osborne or King Busso, as he's also known, he um, mm-hmm. he trans uh, he translates that into uh, an electric guitar riff, and. Uh, yeah, I want to try. I want to try that too. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to try that too because it's nice, isn't it? Something like. Something like that, right? Yeah. So it's uh, yeah exactly. So you're playing it on the. Uh, it's uh, in uh, on the D, on the uh, on the fifth fret of the fifth uh, string. You. Uh, hold that down and then you uh, mute the fourth string and then you put your uh, ring finger on the seventh fret of the G string and you get this uh, you go up a, up and hold octave there and that was yeah. gives it this uh, uh, nice uh, ring ring, sort of ring to it yeah, and yeah it, and it, especially it's a half step bend in there too right to get the oriental yeah, uh, you go, you go like this. Do you slide it up actually? Ah, uh, yeah, slide. Yeah, I'm thinking about the Mastodon cover version where they bend it instead. Mm. Because Mastodon were huge uh, fans of uh, Melvin's. I think their biggest uh, the idols or heroes were Melvin's and uh, also. Uh, uh, neurosis and uh, also high on fire actually because they all met at a high on fire gig they formed mastodon at a high on fire oh gig. really yeah that's pretty cool right uh, yeah it's uh, pretty cool i mean they must have sounded like a bit like this and they're like yeah okay the song has to be written before but in case uh, of there being a film about this event let's start a band to this song. yeah per- <laughs> exactly. works now perfect. that you say it that lick is uh, could be used by mastodon as well yeah they For do sure. a lot of that pull-offy type yeah. thing brent brent hines is doing a lot of that mm. um well back to uh, melvins who uh, i suppose was one of the first band that i tuned uh, i dropped my d for let's say <laughs> uh, uh we'll edit that out in post <laughs> uh 
Uh, no, but well, it, it actually makes sense to uh, to drop D rather than tune down the whole guitar to uh, D standard. For me, it makes more sense. You get more uh, variety out of the out of the neck, out of the strings. Uh, you can play your regular power chords on the higher strings, and you can go low with your uh, uh, drop D power chord. Um, fingerings which is exactly super simple if you don't know anything about a guitar you should really tune uh drop d tune down because then you can just put your uh whatever finger just straight over the whole uh first three strings and hit it and then it sounds perfect. I mean, it's and also awesome. also you can make use of uh, the old those three strings um uh, unfretted to get mm. like a drone underneath with a yeah. nice uh, octave plus uh, fifth so you get the uh, D A D, and Disneyland After Dark, and you get that one, and uh, you can <laughs> move like this, you know, like. Just very easy to do this, and such a big sound utilizing almost all of the strings on the guitar. It's uh, but it, and what happens in uh, in the riff uh, the bit uh, is that uh, after this uh, intro with uh, oriental feel the sitar uh, you really yeah you get hit in the face by a uh, a D chord D power chord and uh, it, it's very I mean it's it's very much in the style of uh, Buzz Osborne's guitar playing it has. Uh, uh, a couple of things that I think is very important. It's his, uh, uh, well, he utilizes the the drop D, but he also uh, palm mutes uh, excessively, uh, which is totally in his uh, in his style. And he, uh, well, maybe you can uh, help me uh, determine what chords are used. If I play it, see if you can uh, uh, dissect it. Cool. First of all, I thought about one thing more there. You do quite a bit of a bending on the chords, which I like. It's really also part of, of his playing style mm. to give that kind of sludge. Yeah, I think I overdo it a little bit. But uh, that figure is there, right? And then is there yeah. another fourth chord or is it just three? Uh, there are four. four. Yeah, exactly. If you It's just a variant of the same ah, chords. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. very minimalistic. So yeah. it's just the power chords of D, D sharp, and C. Yeah. Powerful. And so it's a D Phrygian is the yeah. mode they are in. Exactly. Um, and I mean, he. This is minimalistic, as you say. But I was about to choose another riff also, and I, I'll see if I can. Uh, uh, pull it out of my hat. It's from the great song uh, with <laughs> with the name Brain Center at Whipples. It goes a little something uh -huh, cool. like this. Uh, 
the first part sounds like an evil uh, down-tuned bluegrass type thing. <laughs> and then it goes into that, what I would call a typical party riff. Mm. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, one of their biggest inspiration is uh, 70s Alice Cooper, uh, who has all these melodies that are very evil sounding, but with this... Uh, pop sensibility that it, it never gets too evil it just gets like kind of spooky it's like the whole you know uh spooky vibe of alice cooper and uh, uh the all, all the times that i've seen melvin's live they always covered a different alice cooper song and it's so good it's very cool um, I, I like that i like that a lot bands should always do a cover song i think in every set mm -hmm. in my opinion it depends some bands are maybe too conceptual to do that but most rock bands, they they should be just well off doing a, at least a cover, I think, in a, in a <laughs> headline set. Last time I saw Melvins, they <laughs> went up and started the whole uh, the whole show with a really inappropriate uh, Kiss cover. <laughs> <laughs> Going blind? But that's my hands. Something like that. What is that going blind? No, it's not going blind. No, that's uh, it's called gin. But I, actually, I remember they they played deuce. I don't know that riff. But uh, when you I, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure, they've done a few Kiss songs apparently. Because yeah, I remember going blind, and they, I like their yeah. version. Yeah, Go, going blind is. Uh, uh of the yeah th this uh, this is uh, was where i'm going uh, was going actually it's of their uh, uh uh album houdini uh, from 93 their first of uh three albums that they released on a major label um so what happens was that they uh melvins became kind of there was an underground band in the in the 80s that took the uh, first they played really fast hard, hardcore punk but then they slowed everything down to make this new sound and they uh, at the same time uh, dropped D to get even heavier and they played really 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 slow and uh, a lot of bands got influence, uh, influenced by them like Nirvana, Soundgarden and so on and uh, uh, Buzz Osborne likes to tell the story of how he taught uh, uh, Kurt Cobain how to play uh, Drop D and how he was such a big fan that he wanted to produce the first uh, uh, major label outing Houdini and uh, <laughs> he gave he gave him like a guitar part to play and that was it um, yeah I don't know it's uh, okay, but, yeah. but what happened was that they uh, uh, their fans their, their the big name bands they were like oh hey come on let's uh, why can't you release uh, Melvins on your major label? And Atlantic was like, oh, okay, they sound a bit weird, but maybe they can do something. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they did. They got a, a contract and they <laughs> the, the, the label wasn't happy. I mean, they didn't do anything that was remotely uh, uh, radio-friendly. I could argue that maybe the bit uh, or um, the, the song... Uh, 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 the song "Revolve" maybe from Stoner Witch was was a bit uh, catchy, it, uh, but other than that, I mean, they did everything to get kicked off the label, and in the end, they did. I'm not sure if that album was released on 
uh, on Atlantic, but they also made like this joke album uh, uh, where they called themselves uh, Snivlem instead, and they made just a like uh, just this joke songs, and that kind of became a staple that they would release a couple of uh, serious albums and then just a joke album, and it's kind of annoying when you're. Uh, collecting melvin's album like me that sometimes you pay a lot of money for something that's maybe just like silent uh or just like poop sounds or someone doing something like this it's a bit yeah they're a bit stupid but i like them yeah sure sure and i i'm not super knowledgeable in melvin so i actually have like a couple of questions for you if that's all yeah, right for sure um the first one is uh, how many albums roughly like the discography is quite vast, I think. No, it's like over forty, something like this. Ooh, yeah, that's Frank Zappa level of uh, of <laughs> discography, right? Yeah, there. yeah, Tons of material. Yeah, and then you say every third is like a joke album. Yeah, maybe it, maybe less so now because they started incorporating the jokes also on the normal albums. <laughs> it's kind of this variety <laughs> bits. Yeah, well, they. I remember. I recall Buzz saying that uh, they had the attitude of always being fourteen. And yeah, that's, no, that, and that sure. they actually are still fourteen mentally. He added, "Yeah, uh, so it comes effortless." Uh, <laughs> that that attitude of a fourteen-year-old <laughs> kind of, uh, I guess, uh, Slayer fan or something. Yeah, uh, no, and sure. uh, then uh, yeah, on the topic of of other artists, I've noticed that they are super renowned by among big artists. Mm. Like uh, everyone thinks the Melvins are are the shit, really. Like uh, from Field to Impantera, Melvins, uh, Kurt Cobain. Uh, no, I mean Mastodon and Kurt Cobain. And so yeah, forth. Mike Patton so I think loves kind them. Of hit a nerve in the in the business, so to speak. Like they're mm. kind of the, the the band everyone likes to like. Yeah, it's a band's band. I mean, they're, they're like you, like you say, uh, an actor's actor. You know, someone that like the actor can see the or the musicians can see the craft behind the songs. And for instance, Mike Patton uh, of Fate No More and Mr. Bungle, he was so enamored with. Uh, their sound that he asked uh, uh, Buzz, Buzz to join him in Phantomas, this uh, band that makes kind of this uh, operatic uh, uh, heavy metal versions of uh, movie music, at least on, on a, one of their really good albums. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he gave he gave some parts to uh, Buzz that he, he he was really proud of and said out in the media, oh, it's like the most... Uh, advanced music, uh, the most complicated music, uh, sheet music I ever written, and <laughs> immediately after, when uh, Basso was asked, like, ah, is it is it that amazing? I was like, no, it was super simple. We did it in the afternoon. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's his kind of his his whole like attitude. He's like, yeah, you know, he doesn't care. Yeah, he's kind of uh, behind the yeah. scenes always, I guess. In, in that sense, or like, let's say he, he has removed the smoke and mirrors to a large extent. Mm. And maybe that's why other bands like it too, because it's not really trying to cover anything up. It's very clear what they're doing. And uh, my other question was uh, something I w I'm not familiar with uh, that I'm curious about, uh, maybe in the context of this song or in this band in general. Uh, how are the mm. lyrics? Uh, what, what are the lyrics like? Yeah. <laughs> that's really that's really interesting because if you go to Houdini for instance I mean they I think he may have the the legend goes that because of the Atlantic signing was a bit already at the start a bit sour he uh, didn't want to have real lyrics or he didn't he didn't really he wanted he wanted people 
he wanted them to wor worry about what he was singing because uh, or like overthink it. So in the end, he's like he's not singing real words. He's just making everything up. It's really like uh, I don't, now I don't know anything off the top of my head, but it's really it's so. Uh, I remember in, in this song, I remember something like "I've got the silver." That that's the only lyric that comes to mind from Melvin's altogether in in my head. It's uh, "I've got the silver." Uh, yeah, I mean the the lyrics for the bit is like, and he sings. Of course, if you haven't heard the Melvins, he's like growling. So it's yeah, it's. Uh, this is for cows. It's not for the size of me. Into my mouth, nine hundred and fourteen. Try some force. Try to lead the founding die is close. Determinate. Raise hand and stop the blood. I'll not even sound right. <laughs> and probably this is like the lyrics. The as as uh, it, it's almost like um, an automatic robot has tried to recognize the lyrics because it, it's probably not anything like these words. They don't. They don't think the lyrics are printed even. Ah, okay. Um, so he's kind of like doing it by heart. Uh, yeah. It 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 sounded a lot like uh, Shakespeare. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, but I like them. Uh, I like the lyrics. Strange. Yeah. And, and no, I, like I guess I'm from the camp. Uh, I guess many musicians are that I I only mind how the vocal instrument comes across. I don't overly mind lyrics, mm. but as. As I've gotten older, of course, I'm able to really enjoy good lyrics. But if it's nonsense, I don't mind. Yeah, no, it's very uh, uh, it it together. I think he uses the guitar a lot, um, or, or like one aspect of his guitar playing is that he uses it a lot for the rhythm, uh, like in the song. Let let me play from uh, uh, Revolve. <laughs> know it's like it just gets very rhythmical and i think the the that the two main uh members dale crover the drummer and bas osborne are the only members that been uh with them since the start uh pretty sure maybe dale crover came a bit later but then there has been like a um revolving door of bass players and uh, for a time they had like i think was which was a very interesting part of their uh uh, uh career like almost like mid-career they started playing with two drummers and uh, a bass player from the band uh, uh, big business i think that sounded really good and they started singing uh, in the very very strange very like stone uh, uh stone age uh choir type of singing it's, it's really funny um, sounds like a good they're, idea they're, I, yeah and they, they hit kind of a mark there between uh, the humorous and um, uh, the 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 tough, you know, no, the heaviness. I would say. Sure. And I think that those records are really good. Yeah. Uh, no, check out uh, "Nude with Boots" for instance. <laughs> and, uh, another great title, "Nude with Boots." They have uh, they make a, uh, make another really good um, uh, cover. I think this uh, this song called uh, "Youth of America" uh, from the. The 80s uh, underground band, The Wipers, 
with W. And it has this melodic line that's kind of, I don't know, it, it, it shows a bit where they get their ideas. It's a really huge inspiration for... Uh, uh, for the Melvins, sure. the youth of America, run run around. It's a it's a really cool cover. They make really good covers. They should make more. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think uh, I guess we're almost up at, uh, over an hour now. Uh, so maybe oh, we should try God. and wrap up. It was really interesting to um, dive into the <laughs> Melvins a little bit, actually, and uh, I'm happy with that choice. I uh, should give yeah. that band a little bit more time, but uh, obviously with that massive discography, it's a little bit hard to navigate. Ah. So. To be honest, I gave them a bit too much time. I think <laughs> I went to see them like five times. Uh, the last time they they played, they started off so loud. Uh, the first song was just like they all, they were all playing one note in unison with like a, a snare and a kick drum. So it like, but it was like uh, threatening uh, any like it, it was like sounding like a jet engine. You know, it was too loud. You know, when you're you really those times when you really regret not bringing earplugs oh, yeah. and think you're gonna die uh but then they, they actually they continue playing the same uh with the same uh, volume but then when there's sound all the time it gets a bit better but still wasn't very good <laughs> for okay, me yeah. all right i see that yeah actually i i like loud shows actually because i think today with the regulations uh, shows are a little bit too quiet for my taste like you shouldn't be able to hear others speaking in in the, in the locale during the show uh, so i like loud gigs but i can see what you mean and maybe if you get really arty about it it can annoy me like if you get really like this is an experiment in uh, like ear pain something like that it can annoy me i want it to be loud to be powerful not to be a statement yeah i went to see the band uh, uncle acid and the deadbeats uh, in uh, the base medis in stockholm when that still existed and it was just it was according to the the volume laws so you could hear them plucking the strings uh you know mm. through the distortion and i was talking uh i could i could hear people talking on the other side of the room it was so low and that's a i would say a metal band that was ah it was the worst experience ever oh, it, it really doesn't work uh so uh, it's one one thing that uh we always ask in this show like how how i feel when i play the riff so i thought yeah, so I'm going to play it once more. Sure. ground you know having being buried alive but then slowly getting the fi- the feeling back in my fingers and grasping for rock and dirt not being able to see you know being really buried alive and the riff is just me trying to cling to life and especially when you play it slow it's really like you play it almost so slow that the there's no mel- the melody disappears and then you can't make out uh, that it's actually a riff. I mean, that's what you should 
yeah. go for it. I think it's just it's so cool, and I, I I'm I'm really uh, uh, envious of uh, them getting to play riffs like this live, like all over the world. Uh, sure, just it must be so fun. Digging it must it. be a lot of fun. Yeah. And now that you played it, I thought uh, it could also be the soundtrack to the members of Black Sabbath coming out of the well where they live. <laughs> climbing up to that <laughs> yeah with their mustaches yeah. <laughs> awesome obviously he has listened to Black Sabbath that goes without yeah. saying yeah, yeah for sure I mean it's just slowed down immensely and also who hasn't everyone has listened to Black Sabbath and everyone should listen yeah. to Black Sabbath uh, everyone <laughs> But I think that I mean they, they, it's it's a good mix and a good contrast that they play such heavy music, but then they're just dorks, you know, and they readily uh, acknowledge yeah, fourteen-year-old enjoys a, a silly lifestyle. They're very cool, nice band, and um, I guess that kind of concludes it for today. I think we we were aiming on a shorter episode, but here we are on an hour again or whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe we can edit it down in post, but probably not. So, uh, dear listener, if you were with us this long, we applaud you. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Gain It For Riffs.